Hey, I'm Allison Hare, and welcome to Little Left of Center, the podcast that interviews culture changers that are reshaping our world and breaking new ground. Today's guest on Little Left of Center is Google Creator Podcast Program Award recipient. Oh my God, that's such a mouthful. Aselica Smith of the podcast Colored Girl Beautiful. I got to see Aselica speak at the She Podcast Conference recently, and I had a visceral reaction as she detailed her deep questions around the shade of her skin and its translation to beauty. And I was so taken by her and her narrative podcast, I could not wait to share her story here and learn more about moving towards racial healing. I cannot wait to share this conversation. And before I get into it, I wanted to take you behind the scenes of Little Left of Center and continue my discussion from last week that I announced that I'm launching Press Play Podcast. And it is a program where I am teaching people how to go from creation or from concept of a podcast all the way to broadcast and giving a step-by-step or putting together a step-by-step program to allow people to do that. And I have been blown away. I was not expecting the kind of response that I've gotten of people who are interested in having their own podcast and interested in exploring what their own ideas are, sharing their passion, sharing their voices. So I should have more details probably within the next week of the program and how to sign up. I believe that we are going to start and launch it January 6th of 2020. So what an incredible way to step into the new decade with your own voice front and center and being able to share your stories, your perspective, uh, and bring bring your art into the world, whatever that might be. On another front, I am uh, I'm about to launch the the website finally for uh, for my podcast or for Little Left of Center. And it's one of those things where I am really, really terrible at visually organizing things. And if you look at my Instagram feed, you can probably see why. It's something I'm really trying to figure out. So I've kind of, uh, I've kind of pulled back or have not bitten off the website because uh, I wasn't sure I could do it right. And I found somebody to help me who is a UX designer. And we are almost at the finish line there too. So, so much going on and so much, uh, there'll be a blog associated with it. So I've been writing almost every day of of entries and perspective shifting conversations. And uh, it's it's just going to have so much more robust it's really going to be like a world of little left of center and a community that um, has always been what I wanted it to turn into and little left of center. I wanted it to be more of a two-way conversation and an ability to continue moving conversations forward. So I'm excited to bring that into the world. And the other thing that uh, that I'm working on and if you know me, I'm always working on a bunch of different things, is about two years ago, I was really looking at what do I want? What are some of my goals? And that goal became absolutely crystal clear, and that is to do a TED Talk. And I think I'm at the point now where it's time. And so I'm, I'm planning on submitting my ideas. I've been working on uh, working on an idea worth sharing, 
and an idea worth spreading. And uh, I'm fleshing that out right now. So I'm so excited about that. So if you have a TED Talk or have done one or interested in doing one or have perspective on that, please reach out to me. I would love to support you um, and certainly interested in this journey and and collaborating along the way, uh, but super excited about it. So that's what's going on with me. I can't wait to hear from you. Please hit me up on the socials or uh, keep the conversation going wherever you can. I'd love to hear from you. And I will have some more in the works. I, I do have some more ideas of making Little Left of Center even more two-way or bi-directional um, than it is just me putting stuff out into the world. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you will love this conversation with Aselica Smith of Colored Girl Beautiful. And if you have not checked it out, I'm linking in the show notes her uh, speech that she did to win the Google Creator Podcast Program Award. Um, and it is it is mind-blowing. So I'm going to put that in the show notes. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Aselica Smith. Hello. Hi. Can you hear me? I can. How are oh, you? I'm well. How are you? Good. I know I'm like blowing up your head right now, but it <laughs> I I was I had a visceral experience. Oh wow. Listening to it. And I'm a white woman. You know what I mean? So <laughs> this is uh I, I will obviously never know what it's like to be a black person ever. Mm-hmm. And and I could feel it. I could feel it for a moment yeah. of what that was like. And uh, I'm so grateful that you took a few minutes to speak with me. Um, and by the way, this is Celica Smith <laughs> from yes. The Colored Girl Beautiful yes. on Hello. Little Left of Center. Hello, Little Left of Center podcast. So um, I know I mentioned to you before that I interview culture changers. And I was, I, I almost felt like I was going to talk to you after and just tell you how moved I was by what you shared and by your authenticity and how raw it oh. felt to me. And I felt like if I think you were, you know, people were talking to you and I ended up moving on, but mm. I was afraid that if I was going to talk to you, that I would have welled up. Like it, it was that oh, Allison. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I just think you are onto something so powerful. So oh, thank you so much. Thank you. So, so I guess I should do a proper introduction for you. We're talking with Celica Smith today, <laughs> Colored Girl Beautiful. <laughs> and Colored Girl Beautiful is a new podcast that just launched. And I don't, I, I'd love for you to explain what the Google Creators Podcast Program is, because yeah. from what I can tell, that's how this podcast came about. So it's almost as if you had earned this spot somehow it was some type of contest that yeah we were able to win so can you please explain what that is and and your journey a little bit yeah so i i actually um the the idea for the podcast started before the the google podcast creators program i am uh in addition to working full-time i am a graduate student uh in a design program actually but there's um it's an mfa and it's a terminal degree program, and there's a lot of flexibility in terms of the electives that I'm able to take um, and sort of the way that my thesis is expressed. Um, and so I, I discovered this book 
actually a couple years prior um, in class in one of the graduate courses that I was taking, um, uh, one of my classmates introduced me to it. And um, I just became really taken with the material um, and not always necessarily in a good way, but in a way that uh, just really stayed with me. And so I decided to make it my thesis project. And then um, when I decided, you know, to get really serious about starting work on my thesis, uh, I, I made the plunge and I decided I'm going to go to podcast conferences. And the first one that I went to was Third Coast. Um, and that happens every year in Chicago. And there was this table uh, promoting the Google Podcast Creative Program. And it was, you know, it was brand new at the time. This was their first round of applications. And and you didn't um, have a podcast at this point. You just were going to podcast conferences. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't have a podcast at the time. I had worked previously on a podcast before. Um, I, I have produced another show called Regular Black Radio that is currently on hiatus. Um, I would love to bring it back. It's just not in the cards at the moment. My schedule is is pretty full. Sure. Um, but that had been sort of, you know, dormant for a couple of years, a few years by that point. I think I started that in 2015 and probably stopped in maybe 16 or maybe 17. I can't quite recall. Um, and so I had, I had done some podcast production before, but all, you know, on my own, I, I didn't, you know, this wasn't something I was studying in school. This wasn't something I like knew professionally. I'm just a huge nerd and I love <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> I'm in the um, same boat. <laughs> yeah, and I love, you know, this particular medium of storytelling. It, it's really something that I enjoy. And so it made sense for me to want to do a podcast. And I sort of, I mean, I, when I submitted my application, it was the very last day that they were due. Um, I had also been out sick from work. Um, I'd had a surgery recently and, uh, you know, it was just kind of like, I mean, why not, you know? <laughs> um, so it, some time had even passed before I actually put my application in from when I had learned about the program. I, I first encountered it at Third Coast. I also went to work it last year, um, last fall. Uh, that year it was in New York although it's normally in new, in LA and I just decided I'm, I'm going to do it. Why not? Why not me? Let's, let's see what happens. And if you're in the DC you know, I, area, right? I, I'm in, yeah, I'm in Baltimore. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But I just thought, you know, if I don't make it, then I tried. And if I do, then amazing. <laughs> uh, and it just so happened that I, you know, had a compelling enough entry um, that I was selected for the program. So what do you get with the program? What is it? It is a 20-week training. Um, and that's not 20 straight weeks. It's not like full-time. Um, but what the way that played out for us is there's a boot camp at the beginning. And then you have a, um, every month you have what's called a creative review. And it's essentially a chance to pitch your show to, you know, podcast industry leaders um, and your other cohort members, and generally also uh, folks who um, are members of the podcast garage in Boston. For, for us, it was the podcast garage in Boston. So um, you, it, and in between those, those creative reviews, you're working with someone from the, um, 
the Google Podcast Creative Program training team to help you really make your show the best it can be. That's anything from, you know, it's, it's not a lot of like produ producing your, um, like the nitty gritty of production. It's not a lot of like editing and that sort of thing, but it is a lot of storytelling. It's a lot of um, storyboarding. It's, it's how do you get to the thing that you want to put out? It's how do you make sure that the content in your show is what is relevant, is important, that you're not wasting one second of your listener's time. Mm. Um, so it's this really great program. And then you also get some funding to produce your show. I noticed that your show is, I mean, you have two episodes out at this point yeah. and it is so well produced, like the music oh. and how it's set up. <laughs> and I'm like, it is, it is, I mean, I, I've been, um, I launched in May uh -huh. Um, and I could probably do a lot better job on production, but I just have to like put it out. I've got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. Yours is so beautifully done. Oh, thank you so much. I, I, you know, I, 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 um, create the show with my producer, Nicole Hill. She is fantastic. I could not do this without her. Um, but you know, everything is done in house. I, I tend to do like the editing and, um, like putting all of the pieces together, but it, it's just, it's really just from like, I listen to a ton of shows and I try to, you know, recreate sort of like the vibes that I like to feel. Um, and, you know, Nicole and I, we, we try to make decisions together about like, you know, maybe we need a longer pause here or a hard stop here, or, you know, um, more, more space here or more dramatic. Yeah. yeah. So there's, I mean, it's not, it's, you know, it's a narrative show. It's, it's not just us talking. It's a lot of, um, like content creation. I mean, it's really our production. It's, it's a real labor of love to sort of put all those pieces together. I mean, the conversations as you hear them are not how they're had at all. We're taking pieces from the middle of the conversation and putting them in the beginning and vice versa. And, you know, we're, we're trying to really tell a cohesive story and um, it's it's wonderful work, but it is also very labor uh, labor intensive. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious to know that the colored girl beautiful, and I I was taken by the the line, the colored yeah. child should be taught Negro history yeah. that she may be proud of her dark skin. Yes. And that was um, a line that Madame Azalea Hackley had wrote, wrote written in the Colored Girl Beautiful in mm -hmm. 1916. Yes. And I'm wondering how this sentence, how this book has captured you and yeah. what is the mission of The Colored Girl Beautiful? Yeah, so for me, I mean, there were so many things about this book that just jumped out at me that I felt like I had things to say about. Again, not all of them good, but all of them, you know, like very strong visceral reactions. One of them was that line, um, the colored child should be taught Negro history, that she may be that she may be proud of her dark skin. Um, and for me, that was, that was such a big deal. Um, I am a dark skinned black woman and um, growing up, I was always really uh, frustrated with that. I, two of my closest friends were uh, light skinned and, you know, among the black community, that's just, you, you feel those differences, um, especially when you're the darker skinned person. And, um, and, and that's not to say from my friends, I felt it, but I felt how like other people perceived us differently. 
Um, I'm fortunate to have like this wonderful group of women that I've been really close with for a long time. Um, even though we do like physically look very different, um, we we're we've just always been close. We've been friends for over 20 years, and um, but I I I always felt that you know there was this difference in how people perceived us, and um, so to hear a woman, a black woman, say in her book um, that the colored child should be taught Negro history that she may be proud of her dark skin. That was just something that I hadn't like truly considered um, or, or felt in an earnest way, I think, um, or, or realized that was something that I had been lacking in my childhood. By the time I got to college and after I, I really started to come into my own, but you know, growing up, that was definitely something I was extremely apprehensive about. Um, so it was really what did hard. that mean you were apprehensive like what what would I make just, you apprehensive did you feel like you were shy in social groups or wouldn't put yourself out there or what does that mean I was shy um, I, just in general I was a shy kid but I felt like people thought that um, I wasn't as pretty because I was dark-skinned mm. you know I felt less attractive um, you, you know, because I was dark-skinned I just assumed a lot of the time and sometimes it was true but sometimes I assumed that I was being perceived as less than because I was darker wow. I noticed like if I was you know going out with my friends you know when when guys come over and try to hit on you I was I was just very often not the the first choice I'm also very tall um you know, so, and, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a large black woman at that. So I, I, I felt a lot of the time that I was just at a disadvantage. And so um, to think that a woman in 1916 had written these words to be proud of your dark skin when at a time when, you know, black people were literally being killed for the way that they looked was just very striking to me. And yeah. also striking that I had not, you know, that I had struggled so much with it um, when I was young and just hadn't considered, you know, the gravity of that, that I hadn't considered that perspective really, you know, as, as a young child. Is that something that is talked about in the community? Uh, yeah. I had asked, so I had talked to um, two of my, my fitness trainers. They're both black. One is darker skin, one is lighter skin. Yeah. And I asked him, you know, is, do you guys judge based on the, you know, the hue of, of a black skin of, of what it means beautiful and the, the lighter skin, um, uh, trainer, he's like, I don't judge people, but I've been judged. And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, it's colorism. I didn't realize there was a word for it. Yeah. And I looked it up and sure enough, it's there in Wikipedia. But, um, (laughs) he said that there are some girls that say, I can't date you. You're you're not a real black man. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of that is mind blowing to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's kind of the other end of what I experienced. So light skinned folks are, are often sort of they're questioned in their blackness because they're not dark skinned, and dark skinned people are often sort of, um, you know, put at a disadvantage. They're they're seen as like less um, less attractive, less educated, less valuable because you know this all stems from back when slavery existed, there was, there were um, slaves who worked in the field and slaves who were good enough to work in the house. And so if you were dark skinned, 
you were less acceptable. And so you worked outside. And if you're a light skin, you were more acceptable. So you could be in the house. And there are a lot of ways in the black community that that has carried over. Um, but it's, it's just sort of remnants. And I, and I think some, somewhere along the line, things sort of flipped where you're seen as, um, you know, more credible as a black person because you have dark skin. Uh, you know, and so there's, there, I mean, I think, again, it's so sort of confusing. two sides of the same coin. <laughs> so confusing. Yeah, it is. It is. It's really hard. And, um, you know, when I, when I look at pictures of myself when I was younger and how, like, if you asked me, I just would have thought, I would have just been so upset about how extremely dark I was. And I, I mean, I think in real life, I'm, I'm like a, a medium brown, I call it. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not like, there, there are definitely plenty of people who are darker than me. Um, but there also isn't anything wrong with being darker. You know, like I, I, and I, but I had to do a lot of deliberate work to kind of figure out yes. that. What did that look like for you? Yeah. I couldn't, you know, it sounds like this is all such a deep undercurrent that is baked into who you are. Yeah. And yeah. how do you unravel that? And it sounds like through Colored Girl Beautiful that you're offering or inviting people to join you on this journey yeah, and begin I mean, a process of healing. But what does that look like? What did, how did, um, how do you start untangling? Yeah. I mean, I, I hope that people feel encouraged enough to acknowledge all of the parts of themselves that they've had difficulties with, that they've struggled with, that they've been less proud of. Um, because I think those are all sort of natural things. It's something for everybody. Um, but for me, I, I really, you know, I just, I got tired of being like sad and upset all the time. And I tend to be like a, a fairly practical person. So, you know, by the time I got to college, it was just like, this isn't working. I don't want to do this anymore. And so I, I remember, um, like looking, I used to spend a lot of time on Pinterest and I would just look up pictures of women and I would find like someone who I thought was beautiful and just like find all of the pictures of her that I can. There was a model. Oh, I wish I knew Beverly what her name Johnson? was. I, I, what'd you say? Beverly Johnson? No. Um, I'll have to, I'll have to find it. Maybe I can send it to you later, but she's this, um, she's got really, really dark skin, darker than me. And she, and the other thing is that she had natural hair. Her hair mm. was not straightened and she always had these like beautiful, big afros. And I just thought she was the most beautiful thing ever. And I remember just like seeking out pictures of women like her. And I'm like, she's gorgeous. Why shouldn't I want to be exactly like her? Like there's nothing you know, about her that is um, unattractive or undesirable, I, I should be aspiring to, to someone like that, to look like someone like that. And, and it, it was a long, sort of arduous process. I think reading a lot of books um, by Black women who were, who were proud, I think mostly that was probably, um, or who had been like very deeply hurt um, in, in a similar way, like a lot of Toni Morrison's work was very meaningful for me. Yeah. Um, although very heavy, but you know, like I remember feeling, um, just, just very saddened by like the way that I was perceived and, and understanding what, um, like some of her characters went through, 
um, if not at the same scale. Um, it was it was a, a very slow sort of day by day thing. It wasn't like I woke up one day like I'm beautiful. <laughs> I <laughs> love that in your in your um I love in your speech where you're like I wish it was where I woke up one day and I look like huh. Beyonce. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I wanted to I wanted one of those like movie transformations yes. where you just realize like you know no everything's fine I'm good and it but it wasn't it was a very you know sort of day by day thing where and and I realize now like how much I really had to get over to to be okay with who I am. Um, but I imagine you're probably not alone in this journey. It probably felt really lonely. Yeah. I mean, it, it did feel very lonely. Um, I, I feel like, I, well, I was going to say like, I feel like, you know, a lot of the people I was close to didn't go through that, but I don't think that's true. I think that we didn't talk about it. You that's know, what like, I'm wondering. Is it something that is actively talked about or is it just kind of under the surface? Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, it's, it's, it was, I mean, maybe so, maybe other people talk about it. I, I don't remember having like in-depth conversations with my friends about a lot of these sorts of things. I do also know one, one thing that was really striking to me was going to college and encountering um, black people who were just totally like they, I, I know that they, these were issues that they did not have, Right. you know, like there, there are definitely black people who do not grow up with this sort of doubt. Um, at, at least not within the black community, like, you know, they are perfectly confident in the way that they are. They're proud of their dark skin. It was celebrated in their home. They're proud of their history. That was just not my experience. That wasn't something that, you know, we talked about um, a lot at home. That's what so. I thought was interesting too about the, po I think it was your first podcast episode where you talked about purposefully not wearing hoop earrings because yeah. that was like, you felt like Alanis Mara said, Jagged Little Pill was more your speed. And did that make you less black? Because it wasn't what people were listening to. Or, um, yeah. And I, I, I just thought, you know, like when you, you said um, um, there's a pressure to present in a certain way and mm -hmm. something that would be more socially acceptable to the rest of the world. And to navigate in a place like that, I wonder how, how do you know where you are, regardless yeah. of having that external validation? Well, I mean, I didn't for a long time. <laughs> that's, that's the short of it is that I, I wasn't really sure where I was. And I, you know, I did love Alanis Morissette, you know, Jack Little Pill was my <laughs> yes. favorite album, one of my favorite albums, but I, I liked, you know, what I at the time had had deemed like white music and black music you know like I, I i wanted to live in both worlds but it felt like i wasn't supposed to like all of the the white music that i encountered and so it was something that i that i hid and so i didn't really know how to be myself and that it was okay whatever music that i decided i liked you know whether it was you know made by white people or black people or whoever else um, I also, I, I studied Spanish in college, my degrees in Spanish. So I, I also really, enjoyed, you yeah. did your thesis on this book. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, my graduate thesis. Right. So, okay. Um, but I, you know, I, I like a lot of different types of music and it just took me a while to figure out that that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I'm wondering 
when when do you feel the most beautiful? So you're going through this journey. Mm -hmm. Now you're inviting other people. And from what I can tell, you've gotten a lot of notoriety around the, the release of this podcast. It's resonating in a way that um, that is really profound. And it sounds like you are having conversations. Um, and and you, so, so the format is that you are writing letters or, or it's a narrative podcast where you're yeah. writing letters to an author that has been dead for a hundred years. <laughs> um, and then also exploring other um, other people's experience where, mm -hmm. where they're navigating black womanhood. Mm -hmm. um, and I wrote it down. So in, in the areas of love, racial responsibility, family mm -hmm. obligations, friendships, ambition, and everything else. Yeah. And that sounds like such a fascinating conversation. What what where do you feel the most beautiful? Um I've I've grown quite comfortable with who I am whatever that happens to look like today. <laughs> um I've been fortunate enough to to um participate in talk therapy for quite some time and have settled into, you know, just being fine with what I'm able to do, um, with how I'm able to present, you know, like I, it, it's just, it took me a while to figure out that, um, that, that the person that I am is, is perfectly fine. I don't have anything to prove to anyone. I don't have to be black enough for anybody, or I don't have to dial down my blackness for anybody. Um, and so I've, I've grown quite content to, to exist as I am and um, have also been fortunate enough to find, uh, you know, friends who I consider family that also accept me this way as well. I think that's like the utopian state for anybody to have to be that liberated, <laughs> to feel okay. You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn 45 tomorrow. Oh. Um, tomorrow's my birthday. Happy um, birthday. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> And I was resisting it. And I thought, you know what? I, I am 45 and coming alive, you know? Like I just, yeah. at some point you just have to embrace it and, and stop trying to be something that you're not. Yeah. Um, so from that aspect, it sounds like a beautiful state. And I'm curious with all the women that you've talked to um, on certain, on, on these areas, what, what, do you, what are you learning in this process? through sharing this story and a lot, inviting other people to share their stories? What are you learning? I think the, the biggest thing is that we all need to create space for ourselves. Um, you know, I, I, I would definitely say that, that I feel most comfortable when I'm just being me and I'm not worried about what other people think, but that is, something I have to put a lot of effort into to be able to stay in that frame of mind. I, I don't at all want it to sound like, you know, it's easy and um, it comes without effort because that is not the case. <laughs> right. Um, but it is something that I believe, you know, in putting the work into, I think, um, Oh, I'm so sorry about that. My, the, I think that the women that I talk to on the show I think we all have this, I, I think this is an issue with black women in particular, but also with women in general, is we all have this, I have to do all the things, I have to be everything to everyone. And we hold on to that to the point where 
um, you know, we run ourselves ragged. Mm. And um, I, I lovingly refer to myself as a recovering overachiever. <laughs> and so I, I really work every day at letting go of the things that don't serve me well. Um, and I, I think we would all do a little better if we could create space for ourselves in that way. If we're, if we can just remind ourselves to be gentle with ourselves and to um, give ourselves some grace and some mercy and know that everything's going to be fine. It's, it's fascinating how, you know, like complete strangers who don't know each other come up with the same concerns and issues and um, they, they struggle with the same, you know, pressures um, to, to present in a certain way. It's, yeah. it's been really interesting. But I imagine there are probably different degrees of variation, whether it is the color of their skin or however they're presenting. And, you know, the racial responsibility part kind of stood out to me because I feel like there's such systemic um, beliefs that are hard to untangle. And I live in a, I live in Atlanta and I live in a really, really mixed community, mixed community racially, socioeconomically. Mm. Um, and so there's a lot of um, exposure all over to everything here. Um, but I also feel like um, there are people that are not, um, they don't live in a diverse community yeah. and have no way of knowing anything, you know, so it's hard to kind of put yourself in somebody's shoes. And that's why I felt like your story was so important and powerful to share because creating a space for who you are is the most liberating, beautiful place that you can be. And I wonder, you know, do you have plans through Colored Girl Beautiful to start a community, like an offshoot or some, it, it just sounds like, there's a, a centralized place of acceptance inherent in it. Yeah, that would be, I would absolutely love to. I, I mean, one of the things Nicole and I talk about a lot is that we both really feel that creating community is really important um, for this particular project. Um, time, finding the, the time and the space to create that and manage manage it yeah. has not yet uh, manifested. <laughs> um, but, you know, perhaps when we're out of production for the season, uh, that is something we can focus on a little bit more, but we would definitely love, love, love to see that. Um, well, I wonder if there might be an opportunity to help, you know, spread the word of racial healing, of just kind of bringing light to something that might've been under the covers there. And what do you, what do you do for a living anyway? Oh, th- you'll find this fun. I am a Salesforce administrator. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> you know that I work for Salesforce. <laughs> I know. I saw your email at salesforce.com and I was like, oh my goodness. Yes. It's funny because I think I found you on LinkedIn and I, I saw that was a skill of yours. Yeah. I don't know that I look too deeply in it, but that is so funny. And this will be broadcast broadcasting on <laughs> Salesforce radio. So, oh, wow. Will yes. it? Yeah. So we oh, have four, awesome. 45,000 employees. Wow. Um, yeah. Isn't that fun? That is so <laughs> fun. Look at that. It's a small world. It is. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I think I met you in Atlanta randomly at this I know. Brand new podcast conference. 
So are you a Salesforce administrator for Salesforce or for another company? No, for, for, for a university. Okay. That makes yeah. perfect sense to me. Yep. Mm -hmm. You, um, and I, um, what do you do for fun? What do you do when you're not, this sounds like a lot of hard work. Salesforce <laughs> administration is no joke. And then producing a podcast that's meaningful, that's well put together, that is thoughtful. It, it's, it takes a lot of effort. What do you do for fun and to unwind? <laughs> well, I listen to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I need to hear your favorites. Um, I also, I, I like to read. I love audiobooks. That probably makes sense. <laughs> um, I like podcasts. Um, I also do, maybe you can imagine a little bit of writing. Um, I thought that this yeah. was because you're so poetic <laughs> in your delivery that I wondered if that was where it was born out of, but I love that it's conversational. Like you don't cut out ums and ahs. It's, it's just so raw and real but it sounded yeah. so beautifully poetic and thought, well thought out. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that is Nicole. <laughs> okay. Nicole is, is really great at putting a story together. How did you meet Nicole? Podcast magic. Mm. <laughs> um, Nicole. Uh, okay. So I went to third coast last year and I met someone who knows Nicole. And I remember mentioning to him um, that I, was looking for someone to, I think at the time I was looking for someone to edit my show. Um, but I, I just, and, and I remember he asked a question and mentioned that he was like close to where I am, that he was in DC and I'm in Baltimore. And I thought, Oh, he's a good resource. Um, and so I connected with him and then he just happened to know Nicole. They worked together on a, um, a, um, with an organization called story district and Story District, they also have a podcast and they do all of these really awesome live shows. Um, so I just, I just happened to get connected with her and we just, I mean, it's really crazy how well we get along, how well we work together. Um, she's brilliant. Um, and I, I think we, we complement one another in our strengths. Um, so it's, it's just a really wonderful, wonderful um, situation. I, I feel very fortunate. <laughs> it just sounds like you're onto something so powerful and profound and culture changing. And I just, I, I had to reach out to you. Um, and I so appreciate you taking a few minutes with me. Yeah. So how, how do people, how can people contribute to your mission? Um, so we, uh, we, we want to hear from people. If, if you listen to the show, we want to know what you're thinking. We would love the opportunity to, um, for people to share voicemails and to maybe share some of those voicemails on the air or recordings if you want to send us your reactions. Um, I, get, I do want this to be like a, a community thing, a communal thing. So we want to hear from our listeners um, in, in any way possible. If you want to tweet at us, if you want to follow us on Instagram, um, like us on Facebook, but we, we really, we would love to get content, um, to hear like what you're thinking and feeling, uh, cause it can feel very sort of one-sided to put this thing out into the world and not entirely know how people receive it. Of course, I, I'm watching my download numbers very closely. <laughs> um, but it's always really nice to connect with people in a different way. Um, cause we're, so the, the season is actually going to be pretty short. 
um, but we've got some bonus content lined up. Um, how and, short is your season? Because you have two episodes so far. How many episodes? And they, they're released every two weeks? Every two weeks. We've got one coming up this Tuesday. And there will be seven episodes this season. Okay. Um, so that will take us up through the end of the year. I think maybe the last one is just at the beginning of January. And we've got a few bonus episodes after that. Um, but we would love to incorporate, you know, some of our, um, some of the feedback from folks um, in, in future bonus episodes and maybe have some discussion about that as well. Um, I, I think the best thing is probably to follow us on social media, on, on Twitter and Instagram, because uh, we, we put out calls for submissions from time to time. Uh, we're, we're done with that for season one, but again, for the bonus episodes, and then eventually we'll start putting out calls for season two as well for, for more people to talk with. What will season two be about? Well, so we've actually, I mean, really not covered hardly anything at all in the book. Like the, there's so much, it's a short book, but there's so much in this text to be sort of broken down and analyzed. Um, so there's plenty more within the book, The Colored Girl Beautiful to discuss. You know, I thought it was interesting. So that, that line, the colored girl, the colored child should be taught Negro history that she may be proud of her dark skin. Yeah. And then on the flip side, um, we must stifle the desire to be conspicuous unless yes. it is to be conspicuous by quietness. Yes. Or be proud, you know, a girl would be proud of her limitless, but not too ambitious. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that is the time or is the conflicting messages that people get trying to grow up and figure out their mm -hmm. space in the world. So mm -hmm. I can see why there'd be a lot of runway there. I, I'm just so anxious <laughs> to get to the rest <laughs> of the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there really is a lot there. I, and, and that's what I mean, you know, when I say that not everything that I came across in the, in the book was good. I, I didn't right. like all of it. Um, cause there's definitely, I mean, it was written in the 19 teens. So of course there's going to be oppressive language for women. Um, and then also respectability on top of that, which was another layer that, you know, black people had to adhere to this idea that if you're good enough, if you're presentable enough, if you're smart enough, if you, you know, um, if you're perceived well enough, then you can be accepted by, um, by the white man. And, and that idea of respectability, I mean, that's not what racism is. That's not where it comes from. It's not this sort of very practical, are you good enough um, to be associated with me? It's, it's just sort of an inherent, you know, discard of a people. Mm. Um, so th this whole idea, it, it is very heavy. Um, but yet we're, you know, we, we want to get through as much of the material um, as possible and sort of dive into some of these topics. Um, if we can and shed some, some light on, on some of them. It sounds so exciting. I'm so excited for you and I'm happy to support you any way I can. Um, I think what you're doing is, is way more profound than you even know. Um, and I, I just was moved. I was so freaking moved <laughs> and I'm so thankful for you taking a few minutes with me and sharing your story. So thank, oh, thank you, you so, so much. much. You I are really a culture changer. Wow, what a lady. I feel like Aselica Smith's work is so resonant and surfaces some systemic insecurities that when brought to light can begin to heal. 
I've linked her info, including her winning speech in the show notes. It is a must-see. As for Little Left of Center, in addition to streaming on your favorite podcast app, these episodes are also broadcasting on Decatur FM and Salesforce Radio. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, please make sure you do so you never miss an episode of these perspective-shifting conversations. Oh, and have you left a five-star review yet? I'd love to hear your feedback. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.